Hello, hello, hello. Welcome back to the Reclaimed Podcast. I'm your host, Whitney Elise, just a black girl out here trying to help everyone do better, including and especially herself. Hey, y'all. Welcome back to the show. Thank you guys so much for tuning in. Thank you guys so much for reconnecting with me for another week of ranting and raving. And hopefully we get to a point. (laughs) I think we've been doing all right the last few weeks. Um, So speaking of the last few weeks, last week's episode... Um, keep it real or keep it to yourself. We talked about the Black Lives Matter movement and we talked about all the stuff people were throwing at the black community that, quite frankly, we didn't ask for. We talked about Aunt Jemima. We talked about Uncle Ben's. We talked about Band-Aid. We talked about um, numerous other brands and businesses and organizations that were just throwing things at us that we didn't necessarily ask for. Like, you know, we just... We want to be able to, as T.D. Jake said earlier, not be tried on the sidewalk. <laughs> and it sounds so simple, but it's really all we've been asked for. Like, hey, hi, we're not saying that we don't commit crime and we're not saying that you can't arrest us. All we're asking for is due process, fair trials, the promises that this nation um, claims uh, as promises. So... Yeah, but no, we now have brown band-aids and <laughs> no more Aunt Jemima. Cute, cute. You know, we've been, I, I guess band-aid just found out that, you know, black people bleed and, you know, may not want it to be obvious that, that they were injured. Um, and I guess, you know, all those years of actually writing about Aunt Jemima, once we've come to a place of, of acceptance of the crazy of Aunt Jemima, I guess they decided to just give us it. Fine, cute, whatever. Here we are. But that was last week's episode. You could tune into last week's episode if you're interested. This week, we're diving into something uh, a little harder to talk about, a little more difficult to discuss. Um, but I just wanted to be really frank, really honest, really transparent, and really open with you guys. I, this is something that's been weighing on my heart for months now months and it's taking shape and taking form in ways that I'm not really excited or proud of and yeah without getting too deep into it let's just get deep into it so let's go on to the mess of the message last week's in last week's episode I mentioned a video that had gone viral of a black woman, pretty young black woman, um, may have even been a girl, being tossed into a dumpster by a crowd of young black men, may have even been boys. And I'm frustrated, I'm angry, I'm livid at the fact that these men chose to, or these boys, this group chose to humiliate this young woman in such a in such a it's such a weird time for us to be doing stuff to each other you know we're like there's protests every week there's been protests every week for months this the globe seems to be uprising saying black lives matter and yet here we have folks in our own community uh black males throwing black females in the trash 
um, and then filming it for their own enjoyment. And you could just hear them cackling and laughing and cheering and encouraging each other while this woman sits in refuse, just to the point of tears. It's disheartening. It's frustrating. It's disrespectful. Um, and I, I just, I really wanted to dive in. I really wanted to talk about it. I really want to talk about how we as a nation, we, not even just a nation, we as a community, I'm speaking specifically to the black community as a member of the black community, as a black woman, it's frustrating to stand where we stand during all of this. Like I just saw another video, um, of another young black man who decided he was going to take a skateboard and whack it across the face of a woman because she denied his advances. Like, what are we doing here? What are we doing here? Why are we behaving this way? Who is raising these boys? And why are we raising these boys to become men who think it's all right to throw young women in the trash and to physically harm women who reject them like what did you have you never learned how to handle rejection like that's part of life part of life is no part of life is having someone tell you no and so it's really really frustrating to watch the front lines and 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 the 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 parades of people and the first people who jump up to defend and the first people to even found these movements are generally black women. And yet you have black men not valuing us and treasuring us and, and committing to us. I made a post a few weeks ago talking about uh, what we're going to talk about today, which is, you know, in the fight for black lives, let's not forget black women and some hotep, some fotep, some faux woke dude who was, who was in our community decided he was going to make commentary and tell me how divisive it was for me to even be bringing up the fact that there are women who also experience police brutality. Like, what are we doing here? What are we doing here? I... I, yeah, yeah. The fact that, you know, I'm looking at Ahmaud Arbery and his murderers are in jail. Um, I'm looking at George Floyd and his murderers um, are, have been arrested. But it's been over a hundred days since Breonna Taylor's life was taken while she was in her home, while she was in her bed getting ready for the next day. Breonna Taylor and awarded EMT. And I'm not saying that as if her life mattered more than Ahmad or George, but I'm saying her life matters as much. And yet her killers not only walk free, st- they still have jobs. They're still employed as, as well, uh, a few of them are only one has recently gotten fired um as officers and it's like dude we're not we're not just asking you to fire them we are asking and the guy who got fired he got fired because there was loads of other stuff against him not because they botched a job where the person that they were supposed to be serving a no-knock warrant not only lived 
a mile or two away from Brianna. So they shouldn't have been at her house in the first place, but had already been arrested that day. So that shows that the entire Louisville, uh, Kentucky police office is must be like the miscommunication must be big. And it's like, you know, then they arrested her boyfriend because he fired a shot. But you got to think about what he was thinking about. He's in bed with his woman. He hears people breaking in. He goes to get his firearm, which he is licensed to have. He goes downstairs while calling 911. He's on the phone with 911 calling for help from the police when it is the police that is breaking into the house. He fires a shot and they light this place up over 20 different shots, eight of which go into the body of Brianna killing her. Like, what are we doing? What are we talking about here? Why isn't there any ownership of this story? Why isn't there any ownership of what happened to Brianna? What happened to her boyfriend? Why was he arrested after watching these police officers murder his girlfriend? And of course, yes, he was he was released, of course. Um, and of course, they're seeking representation. But come on, this story happened in March. This story happened two weeks after Ahmad. And it's it sucks that we have to march and protest and write letters for law enforcement to enforce the law. But this is the point that we've come to as black people. All I'm asking for is that the same energy that we had for George and for Ahmad, which we should have because their lives mattered. That same energy, we certainly, certainly need to have for Brianna. And so I am amazed, astounded, and majorly frustrated that we even have to have this conversation. That, you know, that there's marches for Brianna that aren't as populous as the ones for George. That her name doesn't get said anywhere near as much as Ahmad or George's. When her life mattered just as much, there's this whole belief system particularly I'm talking, I'm still talking about the African-American community where black folk feel like black women have to just step aside. Like we have to just sit down. Like we have to just be quiet. Um, Like it's only okay to be a black woman when a man is interested in us. Like here's the thing that frustrates me. It's like people are, people will say all the time, what if it was your daughter, your mother, your sister, your niece for men to try for men to get it, for men to get that we are disrespected, for men to get that we feel unprotected, for men to get that we are sometimes left assed out in this whole entire situation. And I'm not just talking about police brutality, I'm talking about in general that black women do not feel protected by black men. That other black men will be completely disrespectful to us. And it's like the unicorn coming out of a bush. If, if a black man who sees that and knows that's wrong even does or says anything. It's oftentimes other black women who come and help us this out. Like I've been helped out, me personally, I've been helped out 
more often than not by another black woman than another black man. Like, I won't even look to a black man at this point in my life for help outside of the person I'm married to or the person that's my dad. That's it. That's it. Like, those are the only people I'm looking to. Everybody else is optional. And, I mean, if you're, if you're, if you're in a situation, you know, but sis, sis, a, another woman will, nine times out of ten, when I've been in trouble, it's been another black woman to come and assist. So what does that mean? What are we saying? What are we talking about when we talk about all black lives matter? And why is it that we feel that it's okay to push black women's stories aside or under or beneath? Why is that all right? Like, why is that all right? And we we talked about Toyin Salu some time ago. She was a 19-year-old activist um, who was trying to get away from her family. Uh, I don't know what the history was there, but she was trying to get away. She was marching for black lives, outspoken for black lives, um, trying to help benefit the cause. And she was kidnapped by a black man who murdered her and a white woman. And, you know, while the murder of the white woman is terrible and awful and should have never have happened, um, and God, please be with the family of that white woman, like, that has to be devastating. 75-year-old white woman, terrible, terrible. Um, Toyin, he kept for several days. This is a 45-year-old black man. And he decided to rape her for several days. And he says, after he was caught, that he would have let her go if he wasn't certain that she would have told and gotten him back in jail. So he killed her. He just decided to snuff her life. Not only did he take her body because he felt entitled to, he took her life to protect himself. These are the stories that we're talking about as black women. The entitlement that black men feel to our bodies and our space and and our attention. Whether we're going to get slapped in the face with a skateboard, called every name but a child of God up and down the street because we didn't acknowledge your advances. Or be like poor Toyin, who deserved so much better. And it, it the thing that really breaks my heart is that a few days before she was kidnapped, she had tweeted about another sexual assault where it was another black man older black man who sexually assaulted her so she's in the streets marching and making noise and making waves for black lives and here are two two black men who decided to try to have their way with her and one cost her her own life does her black life not matter it's it's beyond frustrating. It's beyond heartbreaking. It's infuriating, in fact. And it's just another story. It's just another testament of how we deal in our community with our women. This is not an isolated event, though. Like when you think about, you know, we just talked about Breonna Taylor and we talked about the officers that, you know, murdered her, murdered her. We cannot forget a Tatiana Jefferson. A Tatiana Jefferson was a pre-med student who was shot in her own home by former officer Aaron Dean. Um, 
he was an officer who was called on a wellness check at a, at a Tatiana's mother's house. A Tatiana is sitting there. She's babysitting her her eight year old nephew. They're playing video games and having a good time. She sees somebody skulking by the window. She goes to grab her firearm, which any one of us would do if we saw somebody prowling outside at nighttime beside our window. And rather than announce himself, rather than do all of the things that police officers are supposed to do and are trained to do, supposedly trained to do because they're trained law enforcement, he shoots her. He shoots her and he kills her. Where's the justice for Tatiana? It's, it's, it's heartbreaking. It's frustrating. It's, there's too many black women who have stories like this, whether it's police brutality or it's men in our own community. It's too many of us who will be the first people to jump up and demand justice for black lives and then, or, and then be, have our lives taken either by police brutality or by men in our own community. Rarely, if ever, are win- women's names the center of these movements. It's usually a man. Usually a man. And, you know, of course we're going to jump up, rightfully so, and demand justice for that man's life. But I wonder, where's, where are the people jumping up for our lives? Where are the people jumping up saying that our lives matter? <sighs> it's hella frustrating, you guys. Um... So I was doing some reading and one of the pieces I read was by Kenya Bennett of the ACLU. And she brings up a point about particularly police brutality with regards to black women. And she says black women like Charlita Lyles in Seattle, um, who was pregnant when she was killed by police. Black women are experiencing mental, black women who are experiencing mental health crisis like Shakiri Ali in Georgia and Deborah Deborah Donner in New York or they were hanging out with their friends like Rakia Boyd in in Chicago or they had merely taken a wrong turn while driving like Maya Hall in Maryland or Miriam Carey in Washington DC and black girls like Ayanna Stanley Jones in Detroit were doing nothing more than sleeping when they were killed by police do you hear all of those names do you hear all of those names? Only one, only two of those, Rakia Boyd and Ayanna Stanley Jones, are familiar to me. The rest of those, I don't know. And I'm frustrated as a black woman why I don't know the names of my sisters whose lives have been taken by police brutality for literally limited or no reason at all. And Ayanna was a child, a baby, a girl, a little girl in her bed. There are too many names to count. There are too many of them. Some more reading I was doing by Adriana Ritchie in her piece for the New York Times. She shared that Tarika Wilson, um, who was shot to death by a SWAT team in 2008 in Ohio, as she stood unarmed in a bedroom with her six children holding her one-year-old baby. Some were pregnant, like Danette Daniels, who was shot to death by, by New Jersey police um, after following a drug arrest. 
Some, like Frankie Perkins and Teresa Henderson, were choked to death by officers who believed erroneously that they had swallowed drugs. In one case, a transgender teenager named Shelley Hilliard was brutally murdered after being set up by police by a police informant. Let's not forget Roseanne Miller, a black woman who, while seven months pregnant, claimed she was put in a chokehold by New York by New York City police by a New York City police officer rather <sighs> police officer during an altercation which started over the use of a barbecue outside of her own home. Unbelievable. And we can't, we can't, we cannot omit, if we're going to talk about all Black Lives Matter, if we're going to talk about all women matter, we need to talk about our trans sisters. We need to. They are Black women too. They are Black women too. So let's not forget the violence that happens to them on a regular basis. So according to the Human Rights Campaign, they say, quote, while the details of these cases differ, it is clear that the fatal violence disproportionately affects transgender women of color, particularly black transgender women, and the intersections of racism, sexism, homophobia, biphobia, transphobia, and unchecked access to guns conspire to deprive them of employment, housing, healthcare, and other necessities. That's what the human rights campaign says. We can't forget our trans sisters in police brutality or in our community. Lives that were snuffed out in our own community like Dominique, um, like Dominique Remy Felice or Rhea Milton. Like we can't, we can't, we can't forget those people. We can't forget their lives. Their lives mattered so much. We can't forget Nina Pop. We can't forget, we can't forget our sisters. Those are our sisters. Whether you like it or not, whether you quote agree with that lifestyle or not, those are still lives. Those are still black people. Those are still black women who matter, who matter and deserve justice, period. Brutality isn't the only form of violence committed against black women in police brutality. Sexual assault happens as well. Now, reminder, we are talking about law enforcement here. These are supposed to be people who are trained to enforce the law. <sighs> Let's not forget, we have Chikesha Clemens, who after refusing to play, pay for plastic utensils at her, for her order at an Alabama Waffle House, which I don't understand why a Waffle House is making you pay for plastic utensils. I wouldn't pay for them either. You can go ahead and keep that fork and that knife. I'll eat it when I get home. It is perfectly fine. Didn't even need the police to get involved. Didn't even need the police to get involved, right? But no, here they come. She was brutally assaulted by police officers. And during that assault, she was thrown to the floor where her top shifted, exposing her breasts to an entire restaurant of patrons who were recording the altercation. First of all, this was a completely unnecessary altercation. It's over plastic cutlery. Plastic cutlery that you can get for free any damn where. Anywhere. 
And they threw a black woman to the ground and exposed half of her body to people who were recording you guys. Let's not, let's also not forget Sharnisha Corley, who was forced from her car at a gas station after a police officer claimed he smelled marijuana during a traffic stop. Two female officers forced Chaikisha's legs open and proceeded to probe her vagina, all while in full view of passerbys. Similar incidents have happened to two other black women. Both Alexandra Randy and Brandy Hamilton were subject to forced roadside cavity searches by officers who claimed they, quote, smelled marijuana. Unfortunately, this is not an isolated incident. Going back to 1986 in Massachusetts, police officers raided Shirley Rodriguez's home, finding her sleeping in bed with her husband. These officers told told her they had a warrant to search her vagina for drugs. When she flatly refused, they, when she flatly refused their order to reach inside of her own body and take out, quote, the stuff, the police arrested her, forced her into a hospital where Shirley claimed a physician forcefully searched her vagina while a nurse held her down on the table. And guess what? No drugs were ever found. The ACLU reminds us that we, quote, must consider other forms of police violence that impact black women and women of color, like sexual assault. Sexual abuse is the second most reported form of police misconduct after use of excessive force. This is so disheartening. These are supposed to be people who are supposed to serve and protect. And you have people forcing people to do cavity searches on the side of the road, exposing black women's breasts while they're trying to arrest them over plastic cutlery. Is that what you trained for? Is that what you trained for? (sighs) The conviction of an Oklahoma City officer for rape and sexual assault of 13, 13 black women represents some of the anecdotal evidence of how black women experience sexual violence by police, end quote. And the aforementioned, that aforementioned officer, I'm not going to say his name. (laughs) Why not? Daniel Holtzclaw, who is currently serving a 263 year sentence for sexual, for that sexual assault. He targeted black women and girls girls you guys and he said he targeted these young women who used drugs because he believed there were quote working girls a new york a new york city officer was also convicted in 2010 of official misconduct when he offered to rip up summons in exchange for oral sex in parks after dark of black women New York detectives Eddie Martins, 37, and Richard Hall, 33, they were in plain clothes. They pulled over a car being driven by an 18-year-old black woman. They arrested her for drug possession, and then they took turns raping her in the backseat of their car. They have since resigned from the force.
I'm sorry. I'm just, I'm baffled. I'm baffled that there's just, there's so many of these stories, you guys. I'm just, I'm just highlighting the ones that jump out. These incidents where justice seemed to have been served are very, very rare. Very, very rare. Where the, that officer goes, that Oklahoma City officer goes to jail, or the New York City officer that was convicted, or the two officers that just brutalized that 18-year-old black woman. Like, justice is not served for all of us. Justice does not happen for every black woman who has a story like this. And it's heartbreaking. Like the man who assaulted Toyin, the first one, may never see justice. Because she's gone. Her life was snuffed out. And he's literally going to get away with how he harmed her. That's monstrous. That's monstrous. As Andrea Ritchie calls it, she says, Black women's mere presence, speech, and protest of mistreatment are a threat that officers meet with physical or even deadly force. Knowing this, it puts black women at unique peril in cases of brutality and violence. Black men are, black men are often mistreated, brutalized, and in some cases even murdered. Black women face those same realities with the addition of peril of sexual violence. Black women's stories matter just as much as the victims of violence as black men do. Does Breonna Taylor's life not matter as much as Ahmaud Arbery? Does a Tatiana Jefferson not matter just as much as, as Tamir Rice? What about George Floyd's life and the lives of those several black women that I told you about that were choked, choked by officers? Why aren't there? Why why don't they get to be the center of the narrative? Why don't they get to be the focus of the march? Why aren't they protected? Why aren't we protected as black women? Where are our black men to protect us? If all we keep seeing is us marching and 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 making noise and voting and writing the petitions and and running for office and doing all of the things to try to keep our families safe and then we come back home to our communities and we get ended up we get ended up treated like the young woman who got popped over the face with a skateboard or the the or Toyin or any one black woman who knows to put her head down when there's a big crowd of black guys just put your head down just walk just put your headphones in, act like you don't hear them, keep walking, hold your fi- keys between your fingers. Why do we have to live like that? And black men, why does a black woman have to belong to you for her to matter? No, she doesn't have to be your daughter. She doesn't have to be your sister. She doesn't have to be your girlfriend. She doesn't have to be your homie from down the street. She doesn't have to be your friend from work. She doesn't have to belong to you to matter because guess what? For for black men to matter to us, all you have to do is breathe. All you have to do is exist as a black man and you matter to us. And proof is in the pudding because you could see who's in the front line, who is the loudest, who is the proudest, who is the boldest, who is standing up for black men and who has always stood up for black men. It is black women. 
Black men, it is time to take accountability to how how women are treated in our community. And of course, I'm not saying all black men, but that goes without saying. If the shoes do, if the shoe doesn't fit, if it doesn't fly, I mean, if it doesn't apply, let it fly. Y'all know all the sayings. Y'all know all the sayings. I'm just mad right now. I can't think of any of the cliches. But you know all the sayings. Only hit dogs holler. So if you're hollering about any of this, if you're getting ready to howl in my comments or in my DMs, I want you to check. Check why you're acting like this. Yes, we, we too suffer in police brutality. Why can't we also, in addition to you, be center for these marches and these rallies and these gatherings? Why do our stories have to be set aside? How many of those stories have you heard before? And how many of you as black men even care, even care about the stories that you've heard here? It's frustrating out here, y'all. I had a guy once tell me (laughs) that I was more black than I was woman. And eventually I was going to have to pick a side as if womanness was something only white women could be. I am just as much of a black person as as I am a woman person. All of that, it's called intersectionality. I am at the intersection of those things. I exist in the intersection of those things. And so, yeah, I can march for black lives, but I can also come home and tell my brothers, yo, y'all got to check your boy, check your friends, call your nephew. See what's up with your homie. Like, see what's up. Act, ask them why they're acting this way. You know, the interesting, the interesting thing about black women, and I've had, friend, like, I've had deep, lasting, long-lasting friendships with very many black women. The thing I noticed about us, the thing I appreciate about us, is that we do not shy away from the hard conversation. We say the things that are on our mind. We say the things that need to be said. And if one of our friends is acting terribly or doing awfully or not living up to their own potential, and this is not a momentary lapse I'm talking about. This is something that like is established behavior. Hell yeah, we're going to talk about it. We're going to confront them about that. No, it doesn't have to be a big public fallout. No, it doesn't have to be a massive event. But if we call you friend... If we call you sister, if we call you soror, if we call you anything that includes us being together, we're going to call you out. I would like to ask black men, where's that same level of accountability? Which boy, y'all suddenly act like, oh, it's none of my business. Oh, it's none of my business. Um, If that's your friend, why isn't it your business? If you, If that's your brother... Why isn't that any of your business? That's your man's, that's your homie. You wouldn't let anyone out here disrespect him in the street. Don't let him disrespect himself. Don't let him disrespect other people. Be accountable as part of this person's community. I'm frustrated, y'all. It doesn't make any sense that women like Toyin even exist. Yeah, we can deal, like, we can fight the battle of police brutality, of racism, of white supremacy. We can fight that together. 
don't make us fight on two different fronts. Don't make us stand up and scream the names of black men who deserve to live and then come home and have black men treat us like garbage and throw us in dumpsters or throw us along the side of the road when they've done what they've done to us or throw skateboards in our face or disrespect us or throw words that they would never say in the presence of their mothers. We got to do better as a community, y'all. We absolutely must do better as a community. My family. So, where are we at? Where are we at? Folks, I know this episode was really, really heavy. Um, It was really, really hard to compile. It was really hard to do. I actually wrote everything that we discussed in an article that I'm going to link in the description box. So if you want to look up any of these names or if you want to read up more about these women's stories because their lives matter, please feel free to just use the link in the bio. Um, Thank you for rocking with me. Thank you for listening all the way up until this point. Thank you for your likes, your shares, your subscribes. Thank you for becoming patrons on Patreon. Again, if you're looking to keep this show independent, keep this show going, keep this show alive and thriving, you too can become a patron. Um, and the website for that is patreon.com forward slash Whitney, W-H-I-T-N-E-Y, Elise, A-L-E-S-E. Also, that link is in the description box. And yeah, guys, thank you so much for joining me for this week's show. Um, Love somebody this week. Love somebody this week. Do something good for somebody this week. Send somebody a text. Give somebody a call. Send somebody some flowers. Do something good for somebody. Um, and not just because you're, you know, you want to feel good about yourself, but because you genuinely want to make them feel good. Do something that you see they need. If, if there's a need and you can meet it, go for it. Um, of course, be safe. Uh, stay healthy. Don't forget to wear your mask and wash your hands. Um, I love y'all and I appreciate y'all. Thank you so much for tuning in this week. And as always, peace y'all. Thank you.